Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call BarryYourGold.com, and what it does is it goes into a container. You lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground, and you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold, not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to BarryYourGold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee. Hello, everybody. Dave Hodges here, host of The Common Sense Show, and we want to welcome you and thank you for joining us. We are known as the show as, you know, we're freeing America one enslaved mind at a time. Need your help, though. We're on uh, Red State Talk Radio, all those podcasts, Global Star Radio Network, KYAH. Yeah, spread the word. Okay, you got a digital platform now with us on it, and we got a great guest for you today. We got Robert Kudla with us, and you know his background. I mean, he's uh, heavily into trading, knows the market upside down, has been uh, executive for Fortune 500, done so many different things, and uh, he knows what's going on economically here, <laughs> upside down, right side up. And you're going to get the uh, the real picture here in this topsy-turvy time. And this is a confusing time. So we want to welcome all of you, but make sure you share these broadcasts far and wide. And all our friends on podcast, good morning to you too. Well, Bob, I want to welcome you to the show. And my goodness gracious here, it seems like every time we talk, we're stepping one more foot deeper into the mess. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting is... is um, uh, we, I think we're winning. So, um, but we have to go through this morass that we're going through right now because the elites. Um, one of the things that you can always count on with these people is that they're extremely arrogant and sure of themselves. And I think it was Mark Twain said, "It's not the things that you don't know that hurt you; it's the things that you're sure of that aren't true." And I think that's what the, uh, I think that's what the, the elites around the world have put themselves in. I think they thought that they can work their way through any problem, you know, either by uh, people control issues, economic issues, and and uh, you know their fiscal and and uh, uh, policy types of of uh, programs that they have, and and every single one of them is blowing up right now, every single one, and and their their prescriptions now to fix it is there's no easy answer so whatever they decide to do somebody that is a constituent of theirs is going to get hurt and so it's really now a matter of of us having to basically watch the death rows and and uh and you know with in the united states with the elections coming up this fall um it may change some things and then you know as of today um basically true social is live and you have hundreds of thousands of people trying to get on board it, which just shows you um, the the hunger for alternate uh, alternate messaging from somebody that I think is, could speak very crystal clearly to people about the anti-establishment. So I, I think it's going to be um, it's going to be really interesting six months, but we're going to go through some pain here. And if you're positioned right, you're going to profit from the pain. If not, you're going to have to endure some pain. And and so, you know, the things that I'm looking at right now is we've been talking for the last year and a half about inflationary pressures. Well, they're, they're embedded now. And what's going on with Russia is now complicating that because Russia is doing something very interesting is that they're basically they're basically embargoing the West and the rest of the world with the things that they have control over, and that's wheat, fertilizer, oil, natural gas, and and so they've been they've been um, and fertilizer. So they've been they've been slowly ratcheting down the export of products, and and you know food prices are going to become problematic this year. I talk I think I told you this before, but half the farmers in the United States don't have their fertilizer purchased yet 
So they're going to be paying far higher prices if they even can get it. And so I think we're going to, it's going to be a really interesting year uh, in 2022. And then, you know, look at our friends up north. They're creating a situation where people just may just sit down on their thumbs and say, we're doing nothing. And I think Canada could become, I always talk about Canada being a failed state. I expected it from climate issues uh, being too cold. I didn't. I didn't see this coming out of left field with 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 them going martial law, but I think Trudeau basically shot himself in the head. And he doesn't know he's dead yet. <clears throat> well, that's a pretty bold proclamation, but I, I happen to agree. I want to go back to a couple things you said about about Russia and and observations I made on my end really parallel what you're saying, and I want to even make it more dramatic. Uh, first of all, we're, we're on the verge of going to war with a nation, or at least separating economically with sanctions, with a hand that feeds us. Uh, Biden comes in and he immediately destroys energy independence, illegally, unconstitutionally, bypassing Congress with an executive order. And then he turns around and says, yeah, we're going to be ready for war with what oil? Because Russia is one of the two top suppliers of oil to the U.S., and we want to go to war with them, and then the fertilizer thing. Bob, I've been talking to farmers, and they've told me that if it doesn't turn around by March 1st, they're going to want to come on shows like mine and call Biden out because they say that they can't get the fertilizer. First of all, there's a short supply, and that it's going to be so dang expensive that they may be able to farm about a quarter of their land. And what does that mean for food inflation, and what does that mean for food availability? I mean, there's going to be food shortages, according to these farmers I'm talking to. Do you agree with that assessment? Yeah, and I'm going to take it one step further. So uh, I follow some farmers on social media, and the one thing they can't get, which will have profound effects, is that there's a supply chain shortage of the growth medium that they use to um, to start plants. So, um, like the vegetable farmers and and flower farmers, they they grow the greenhouse um, start their crops before they put them in the ground. That, that that stuff's not showing up yet, and it says it's caught up in transit. And so that's that's the neutral grow media. That's not soil. That's you know like the volcanic rock stuff, and you know. Uh, things of that nature, you know, vermiculite and perlite and stuff like that, they can't get it. And if that happens, that means, you know, there might be a delay of, of people growing vegetables and and or trying to directly sowing the seeds into the ground, which is you're gonna you're gonna lose productivity. So there, there's so many so many things that that are that these guys screwed up on that it's just gonna make make things miserable for people, you know. If you guys have a garden, I would start growing one this year um, because you're going to see spot shortages of a lot of stuff. Yeah, that's really true. And and people like Daisy Luther talk about indoor farming. We're we're lucky here. I mean, there's a few months we can't grow a lot because of the heat where I live in Arizona, but we do have a substantial uh, vegetable garden. And and we're we're praising the Lord every day that we have something like this. the other thing, too, no discussion between you and I would be complete without mentioning China. Um, I'm hearing from people in the medical industry. I know someone that owns a medical distribution company, and he told me that he said, we're not getting uh, psychiatric medications as we should. We're, uh, we're not getting um, antibiotics as we should out of China. Do you know about that? You know, you have me there. I've not heard that. I know there's been some supply issues around medical equipment stuff, like consumables, but I haven't heard anything about the medicines at all, but I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, and this is from a middleman. It's a guy I grew up with, and he, he just I just said, well, how's business? And he's in semi-retirement, and his son run, runs most everything, but he said, we're having a hell of a time getting antibiotics and, um, and some of this other stuff. He said, uh, insulin's going to be a problem before much longer, too. Well, that would be disastrous. <laughs> well, let's say when, when this, if this does hit the way he was describing, this, this country will be ungovernable. People will just say, screw you, Biden, we're not doing anything you say. 
uh, you'll, I think you'll see massive work shortage stoppage. I think you'll see work stoppages going on. Um, and I'm just thinking about the progression of when people protest. I mean, we've got the DC convoy going forward, um, here in America. I, I think it's silly. I think they're going to turn it into another January 6th, but, um, I think there's other things they could be doing, but that's coming too. So, I mean, we've got total chaos. So what does this chaos add up to economically? Is the Canadian situation going to have a real effect? Will the the trucks to D.C., will that have an effect? Well, I think Canada is more of a a searchlight that has shown um, a bright light on basically the fallacy that the, the West has moral authority in democratic values that there was always this undercurrent of authoritarianism that that's been laid bare and that, and now it's going to have to be rooted out. And, and, you know, they were always able to hide underneath the bureaucratic cover, but you know, they've been now exposed and they're, uh, you know, basically look, Trudeau went for the jugular on this. So, you know what you say when you, when you, when you, uh, when you try to kill the King, you better not miss. So Trudeau took a shot. And he, we'll see if he survives it. You know, it's all well and good now, but you know, in two or three or four months, if you know if he can't deliver the goods, that those politicians will turn on him. You know, all the provinces have gotten rid of their mandates, okay, because they fear losing the next provincial elections. And so, um, you know, Trudeau may have very hostile provinces under his hands, and and I wouldn't be surprised to see. Uh, some of those, um, the prairie state provinces start talking about seceding again. And I'd be really, if, you know, if, if, um, uh, in 2024, you know, the country flips back to the, to red, that, um, you know, you'd have a very receptive United States government to have take those, to take those provinces in as U.S. territories in a heartbeat. Wow. That's a, that's a heck of a statement, Bob. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying that they have leverage. You know, they grow all the food for Canada. They 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 produce all the energy for Canada. And the stuff can't get from China unless it goes through there, those provinces to get to Ottawa. You know, so they'd have to ship the whole thing around, and uh, basically would break break Canada into two. And so, um, you know, the people in, in that part of the country are livid, livid as to what what Trudeau has done. So it's going to be problematic. It's going to take a while because, you know, they're blocking it out and stuff like that. But um, in these situations, what happens is that there's no trust now in the government. So who's going to take risk, right, business risk? Nobody. And, and you know, there's only so many people they get deplatform, right, um, you know, and try to kill before basically places just shut down. Look at Calgary. Calgary had massive protests. So, um, you know, I think in the situation where I think that's what's going to happen, that's going to happen here, too. I agree with you on the truckers. I don't think we learned from these people the self-preservation of the elites is is paramount. Gandhi's always been my idol. You don't have to fight them. Just don't participate. You know, don't don't feed the beast. And uh, uh, they're already... You know, and I think that's probably why some of the Republicans are not stepping out. And I'm not trying to defend them, but I'm just trying to understand them. They think they probably already won, and they don't want to give anybody any kind of campaign issue against them. So I think they're rope-a-doping the Democrats into November and trying to grab power. You know, and and um, so, but yeah, so economically, look, we're in stagflation now. Uh, it was coming. Russia's a distraction. Canada's a manifestation of it. And and um, and so and then what's happening with the Russian exports are just going to keep commodity prices high, and it's going to economic activity is going to slow. We don't have enough workers now to generate productivity either. Okay, so um, so we're kind of we're kind of caught in a in a in really a 3D web here, right? So we don't have enough workers that have skills to drive productivity. We have too many people now sucking off the system. And we have an environment where it's toxic to take risk. And so you're going to have economic slowdown and you're going to have higher costs. Not a good place to be. Wow. That's, uh, how, how does all this uh, turmoil affect what you do at Trade Genius with investments? Yeah, it's kind of perverse. We love it. 
because the more volatility there is, the more money we can make. And I even shot you over at our last 20 trades that we put out to our subscribers. And you can just see, you know, the market's been in in crisis mode and we've been killing it. It's just that, um, you know, we knew this macro scenario was going to play out. We were positioned for it. And then as volatility increases, that means the up and down daily action of the markets just gives you incredible amounts of opportunities. Yeah, that's um, it's a heck of a way to earn it, but it's a way to take advantage of it. I mean, there's, like I said, if uh, the opportunity presents, but what is the main strategy or two that you would use to say take advantage of all this hostility that's between the people and their governments now, both both in Canada and the U.S. Well, look, you know, I think uh, what's going to happen here is is that. Hostility doesn't pay. So what's, what's going to happen is that you just basically have economic slowdown. And so there's um, a, the tech market is doesn't like this environment. So uh, a lot of the story stocks of last year are down 60 to 80%. And so that's going to continue. A lot of those guys are going to go out of business because they don't generate enough cash. And so we've been long a company called Sark, S-A-R-K. And, and, uh, we at the Common Sense Show have a great TV show. We bring in a panel of experts and help people navigate the uncharted waters that we're living in. Because what once was coming is no longer coming. It's already here, and we're getting you the help so you can make better decisions for your future. You can find us at the TV, commercial-free, censorship-free, and we're getting five-star ratings on the world's major platforms. Again, check us out today at TV. Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call buryyourgold.com and what it does is it goes into a container you lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches it's a 50-year warranty on the device it only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground and you can keep it for safekeeping and i'll tell you this is the way to hide your gold not in false walls but underground will be very very difficult to detect to find out more Go to BarrierGold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee. Did you know that the World Economic Forum now, they in the last meeting they convened, they actually had a water board there with water experts, and they tell us our water is in danger and they have to take control of our water. Does that bother anybody? I'm sure it does. And I begin thinking right now about water safety. And we already know there's lead in the water, chemicals in the water. A lot of it's not safe to drink. But we have the answer for you. It's called the Alexa Pure Pro Water Filter. It's the best there is. And scientifically, they leave nothing to doubt as they publish their research at waterwithdave.com. And it's my choice for water filtration. Gravity powered. It reduces 206 contaminants. It targets heavy metals, fluoride, chlorine, and viruses. It is the best there is in the business. And you can read all the research on this simply by going to water with dave.com that's water with dave.com save eighty dollars for a short time and, and that's a good one to own it's basically the anti-tech move and then social media as you know is going to have a bifurcation with uh, truth social coming in and so now you have um dwack is is today dwack opened up at 100 and so uh you're going to get these spasms of opportunity with dwack we just took profit on it. We bought it at 85. We sold it at 91. We did it last week and pick, and you just keep picking up, you know, five, 10, 20% trades like that. And you're going to make some good money, but DWAC's a good one to hold longer term. And then on Shut the oil energy side is there's no reason why not to own oil. Oil is going to go to 120 to $130 uh, a barrel. It's baked in the cake. We're not producing enough oil. A uh, Biden strangled America. Russia and Saudi Arabia does not care about short-term pain in their environments because they know the, the, the percentage reduction in productivity 
of their fields is being offset by higher oil prices so they're making more money by producing less and that's going to continue and then you know energy um, the fertilizers tied in in natural gas the idiots in the green movement don't know that and and so fertilizers at a shortage food prices are going to go higher so all those themes are in place and, and and they're just going to keep paying us and then you know you get big moves you take some profit you always keep a position on it comes back down a little bit you do it again it's called rinse and repeat. And we have shortages of copper. We have shortages of steel. We have shortages of basically anything with a molecule in it. We have shortages of our day right now. So you just pick your poison. It's going to kill people on the retail end. I'll give you an example. Home prices now, it costs twice as much to build a home than it did last year. Twice as much. It's killing it. It's going to kill the home industry because people, the builders may be able to build the house that nobody can afford to buy. Not even BlackRock. So that's, yeah, and auto production is down, housing production is down, okay, um, insurance companies are going to start losing money because people are dying at a higher rate, what a big surprise there, so the fire industries are going to be in trouble, that's, you know, the finance sector, so the whole thing is going to kind of come in, and costs aren't going to go down, and and it's something I talked about you for a couple of years now, it's called an inflationary depression, and that's what we're entering inflationary depression oh my goodness gracious this is a scary time do we have anything in our history that we can point to and say there's something similar we can look at to predict the pattern yeah the 70s is our closest analog and 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 biden is literally jimmy carter 2.0 in terms of basically he's feckless but also the policies are using the same policies and they're going to try they're going to try to debase our way out of this until it becomes intolerable on food and energy. And then you're going to get another Volcker kind of person to come in there and basically just jam interest rates up to uh, to kill the inflation beast. Yeah, Volcker, the former Federal Reserve chief. I thought I would mention that for those that are too young listening to remember who that is. Yeah. Yes, and I have the aches and pains to tell you I remember. And, um, and, in fact, they called the Carter presidency, I remember this, when Volcker did this, it, they called the presidency the 2020 presidency. 20% inflation, 20% interest rates. Hey, we had, we had stickers called WIN, right? With inflation now. So, so this is what happens when you, the debasement starts. And, and you, we're going to know we're in the end state when gold, oil, and the dollar go up together. Okay, that's how you're going to know. And, and, um, and so that's probably a couple years off. So we're going to probably go through some pain here until then. And, and you know, I don't – inflation's kind of embedded. And inflation – if we lose inflation to deflation, you should be even more worried because that means it was faster than I even thought. And then uh, then you, you'll see the markets down 60 70%. Oh, my gosh. But here's what I remember from the Depression. Even though there was a huge tumble – there were people that still made a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, you know, it's the the, the Great Depression was interesting, and we're not going to go into a Great Depression like we had before because the banking system was different back then. They could literally take your home for missing a payment. Okay, I mean, they could call your mortgage if they wanted to, even if you were even if you were current. If you couldn't pay the mortgage off at when they on demand, they could take your home. And that's what the bankers did. They took it. And people that had money in their home but had a mortgage, they stole the homes from them. They just demanded them. And that's what caused the collapse in real estate in, in the Great Depression. We won't have that this time. It's going to be more the way in which I described it, where people will be working. They just won't be able to afford anything, Dave. And that's what we're going into now. I mean, look, um, we have a renter in a home that we, um, my wife inherited. And... The guy's been on month to month with us for now 18 months. He wants to buy a home. He's a wealthy guy in Southern California, but he he his he can't out earn he can't out earn the price rise of of homes. So he's stuck, and 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 that's what's happening with everybody. You can't out earn food prices. You cannot earn medical. You cannot earn rent. You cannot earn uh, energy. And so what happens is that people end up just getting into survive and hunker down mode until some of these things break and so um so that's the analog that i'm using because they're just going to keep throwing money at it dave 
ironically, it it may not be enough money. <laughs> That's the weird part about the whole thing. But isn't there a correction? Excuse me. Isn't there a correction that would take place if a home if home prices aren't affordable? Don't they have to come down dramatically to meet what people can pay? Um, you know, yes and no. In two thousand eight, it was yes because everybody was leveraged. In 2022, the answer is no, because people are buying homes with cash, and they're just waiting it out. BlackRock changed the market. They're not going in debt to buy these homes. They're coming in with the institutional money and and paying people a dividend. What did they gain by doing that? I, I didn't ever really pick up on their motive. Well, two things. One is that there was a hunger for that kind of asset to be owned. People want to own real estate, but they don't want to own real estate. So they do it through these REITs. And and number two is the, the Federal Reserve said, hey, we got to soak up all this excess supply from 2008 so home prices don't crash on our banks. And perversely, they turned it into a, another bubble. Hmm. So that's why they did it. And look, here's the deal. If you could borrow at a half a percent, right? BlackRock's borrowing from the Fed at a half percent. They buy the house for cash and they get rent and, and the home prices go up one percent. You know, they're, they're making the percentage rate of return is astronomical, right? Because they're just, they, they, they can just go to the commercial paper market and leverage and then sell the homes off when they want to. So they don't care. You know, they're just sitting on these homes. And um, and they can sit on for 10 years. You know, out here in California, uh, most of these buyers now are coming from overseas. And this is this is money that's getting out of rapidly depreciating currencies from around the world. So they don't care. It's like putting it home in the, putting money into a home is like putting it into a bank. Right. They have too much. They have so much money. They don't care. You know, and I talked about this with you before out here in California. If a Chinese buys a home, it becomes a museum piece. They never upgrade it, ever, and they just keep renting it out. You know, you're in Brady Bunch homes in some of these, some of these areas where the home still has the 1970s uh, interiors. They don't care. Yeah, I see them on HGTV, I, I'm in, and I'm not saying that to make fun. I mean, I see that all the time on HGTV, when the, especially in California. And they, yeah. It's all, they always, the comment is, this is 1970s stuff, and this is I hear it all the time. Yeah, so that's that's the thing. So they don't feel a need to to sell, and it's also a tax write off, right? Because of depreciation, and and so there's a lot of advantages for very wealthy people. A lot of people, a lot of these people don't like the stock market, Dave. So they're used to real estate. They use is the thing they're used to. So. Well, the thing that that concerns me here, though, is it seems like the number of potential homeowners going forward is going to be dramatically reduced. It is anyway because of demographics, right? So what's going to probably happen, Dave, is, there, is you know, the migration is going to come out of the cities like they have been. That's going to continue. They already said 40% of the workers in New York City said they're not coming back. Eric Adams is is freaking out right now. Well, he's killing him. I mean, he's, he's his own worst enemy. I know, but he's freaking out because the workers say we're not coming back to the city. We like working from home. So, and they're not helping themselves with the crime and the stupid rules and everything else. And they're telling their employers that we'll literally quit. We're not going back into the city. And not just New York City, it's everywhere. San you know, Francisco. Um, yeah. yeah, San Francisco. And I have, I have friends right here in my neighborhood. They were, they're just retired and they wanted to move up to the central coast and which is just God's country in California. It's, at, it's between Santa Barbara and Monterey and uh, just beautiful country, beautiful weather, beautiful everything. But with since this migration's coming out, people the, the Bay Area wealthy uh, programmers and stuff like that are they bought up those areas, and so it's become unaffordable. You know, so so people are going to have to move inland if they want anything affordable. I mean, look, even Idaho is out of control. You yeah, know, I know that, and Montana, and so it's just a point now where people are going to have to be forced into into more and more rural areas to be able to afford to live, and so. Because uh, it will get intolerable, you know. Because um, you know what the guys told me that are from um, from Taiwan. Um, so we have friends here. They said, Bob, you don't understand. In in Asia, the price of homes in California are cheap compared to the real estate in Asia. 
you know, if you own a home in Shanghai or Singapore and you cash out and you come to the United States, they come to California and are like, oh my gosh, I get, I have, I can have an ocean view for like one tenth of what I, my, my place is worth over there. So they have no problem coming in and just, uh, um, collateralizing their home over there and buying cash here. So it's, it's, it's going to become just unaffordable. We're going to be, we're going to be, we're going to stratify on, on the real estate side. Hmm. Yeah. I want to change your attention to war because the last time I had you on, I asked you, I said, what would happen if war broke out? And you said it'd be a catastrophe for, you know, for the market, for the economy. And I agree. And it'd be a catastrophe for our military because with, with, uh, stripping the military a quarter of its membership and not having enough oil and this, it's just going to be a disaster. But, but, um, I don't think Russia, and I just want to get your opinion because I know you have a military background. I think Russia's just piecemealing Ukraine, you know, uh, inch by inch. It's a cinch, like they, they took over Donbass. And <clears throat> what I'm wondering here, are they just doing this to provoke a settlement to get what they want? Oh, I don't know. I mean, look, I mean, uh, you know, if you if you if you listen to Putin, um, he wants to re reunite basically the Russian Empire back right, again. Exactly. So um so for him he'll just do it he'll just take what he can get as he can get it, as he gets it. And so um yeah, I mean the war I I don't know if the United States will be necessarily engaged. I think Biden's getting a political message that there's no way he's if if the Democrats want to lose power for the next fifty years, put them put the American military in, in harm's way with Russia. Okay? Because we'll beat Russia in a war. There's no question about it unless we go nuclear, then nobody wins. Russia may have some cool stuff. They don't have enough of it. Okay? We can overwhelm them eventually. But the problem is, what is it going to cost us? And and American people are already tired of it. You know, uh, they don't understand. There's no, we see no treasure, right, from the blood that we spilled. And no. I mean, Ukraine's nothing to us. They're not an ally. They, they, we have nothing in common with them economically, except some corruption, and 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 so other than that, you know, you look at this. We'll defend Ukraine's borders. They're not a democracy at all, so we're not defending democracy, as they say. We won't defend our borders, but we'll defend their borders in a nothing nation. People see this, Bob. I hear this all the time from from yeah. my audience, and they're pissed. I mean, they're generally pissed that we're even in a situation where war is a possibility. I mean, look, if you were a real, if you had no moral compass at all, you just looked at things from, is it America's self-interest to be supportive of Ukraine or not supportive of Ukraine? I would say it's absolutely America's self-interest that Ukraine and Russia go at it without us being involved in it because we export food, we export energy if we wanted to, okay? And, and a Russia-Ukrainian conflict would reduce both, okay? And and so, you know, from America's standpoint, hey, you guys have at it. You know, and the other thing, too, is, you know, obviously we need to probably, you know, let the Europeans know that um, we're not, um, uh, you guys have to step up. You, you guys have been sucking. That's the dirty little secret about socialism in, in Europe. We've subsidized it for 50 years. Right. Okay. They can have great health care because they have no defense spending, you know. So, and and we subsidize their pharmaceutical industries, and and that's the biggest strategic blunder the United States made. They may have made a pact with the devil here for the dollar reserve currency, you know. I'm not sitting. The Common Sense Show is proud to be able to bring you some very special deals for my pillow. For example, they've got half off my pillow bed sheets, more than half off their slippers, their sandals, their mattresses, their topper covers, women's lingerie. Now, they have extremely great products, as you all know. Ladies and gentlemen, right now go to mypillow.com backslash Hodges. Use the coupon code Hodges to take advantage of these great opportunities. Mypillow.com backslash Hodges, coupon code Hodges. Into rarefied air. But from an America first standpoint is that we've given up we've given up an awful lot. And and so uh so I don't know, you know, losing the reserve currency versus having you know, control of our trade. I don't know if we're going to be worse off or not. I don't think so. You know, and, and, um, but they've, 
the United States has always been governed by the European royalty. They never gave up the, the on the notion that that we're us in Canada are breakaway republics. You know, and um, <laughs> I laugh at that. That's so silly. You know, because that's how they act. You know, with us. You know, the the, the whole thing about the WEF is to, to to loop us back in, right? So. Um, you know that's why they're sending all their little minions over here to to, to be in charge of of the country. They never never stopped. So, but yeah, I don't look. I think war is gonna be proxy. Um, and um, but you know, look, I don't. This administration it, it, it's a gang that can't shoot straight. So I don't know what'll happen with it. And so I get I just get um, you know I just get nervous for for people. You know, people ask me all the time. They say, "Oh, Bob, you were a Marine Corps officer." What would you tell people today? So I wouldn't send my kids into into uh, the military. Not not for your life. We're a different country. We're now mercenaries for people who don't really love our country. That's very well put. I totally agree. I gave the same advice to one of my former basketball players' parents, and to no avail. He's now in the Marine Corps, and it's uh, so distressing to think about that because there's there's no priority for this administration to protect the military no. and to use the military in the correct manner and to try to minimize casualties i don't see any concern coming out well actually i'll, I'll just say this um, I, I don't see any concern from biden administration about economic welfare about the future of this country about the future of the military i i see no concern at all for america none well, they're, they're right. They're thinking beyond America. They're thinking about this new whatever there is they're trying to create. So exactly, and and, and that's why we see the, the the nonsense with Trudeau. And you know what? What is good about Canada? And I and I've said this, and then I want to get to how the if the picture ever clears. But what's good about Canada is Trudeau's, um, shall we say, Stalinist behavior um, that got exposed is that we've seen now the facade of Western democracies. There isn't any such thing. We, I mean, look, we have no moral authority to tell any other country how to run their country. You, you saw the president of El Salvador just said it just lays, it just lays, it, it, it begets the lie that, that these countries are worried about our democracy. They never worried about our democracy, you know, because they don't even have it in their own country. Exactly. That's that's what I was trying to say. Thank you. Um, well, here's here's where you know back to the economics solely. Um, Carter destroyed this nation. Uh, I should say, Carter didn't destroy it. The people that he was told to appoint uh, to his cabinet destroyed it, and they all had common backgrounds. And then you had um, uh, Reagan come in and turn it around. And then you had Obama undo this country in many, many ways. And then Trump came in and, and quickly reversed the fortunes economically, particularly with manufacturing and uh, job success of historically underrepresented groups. So is there an answer here for Biden lying on the horizon? Or how do you see this going? Well, I think it's going to parallel it's going to parallel Carter, right? So um, assuming that Joe can make it to the next election, it the Democrats will lose the election. And the difference between this time and, and in 1970s is that the Republicans are going to probably take over in 2022. I think that cake is baked at this point. And so it, it's going to depend on how much of a... And what they do with it is going to be important. So I think, uh, um, you know, assuming what I say is correct, I think uh, we, we won't, the pandemic will be a, a history going into 2023 because I think... Uh, Guys like Rand Paul are going to go after Fauci hard. And I think the House is going to go after all the people that went after Trump. They're going to put them on defense, you know, in 2023. And then obviously the Biden administration is going to get nothing done legislatively. And if they try to do things executive branch, Congress can just defund things. So I think it's going to be one of those things where I said people are worried about 2022. And I said the battle is going to be 2023. That's when things are going to get ugly, and and um, and then 2024 we'll we'll see what comes out of it. Do you think we'll see in 2023 the kind of uh, power play from the government that uh, Trudeau just showed? I, I, it does. It doesn't work. It doesn't work in in um, 
the United States like it does in Canada because uh, they have a parliamentary system is more federal in a lot of ways. Where in the United States we're we're a bicameral republic and we're very much states' rights and 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 really at the county level. So unless unless Biden can come up with a three million man uh, army that he could send to every county in in the country to to force things, and we know sixty percent or seventy percent of the military is not blue, you know, so um, he can huff and puff all he wants. And the other thing too is, you know, states have banks. There's certain states that have state chartered banks, so they're not tied into the federal system. So you may see you may see a rise of state banks too. Where where you're just outside the federal system, so um, so yeah, so he'll have a harder time doing that, especially if he doesn't control the legislature, because then he can just get vetoed out. And judiciary is still nominally leans right, and they probably wouldn't take kindly to you know any kind of martial law being enacted. Um, yeah, I, I, I do. You feel this is an accurate statement? That what happened to the truckers and, and anyone who supported the truckers, a minimum wage lady who gave $40 to the cause has now had her bank account frozen. My reaction was that would never fly here. Do you agree with that? Yeah, it won't fly here. Yeah, I didn't think so either. Um, you know, the Canadians are just learning the art of protest, but do you, do you see the Canadian situation affecting our economy? Uh, well, I mean, they they're tied pretty heavily to our uh, energy and automotives uh, and food. So yeah, there there could be some and, t- and timber. So those are the areas in which we probably do a lot of business with Canada. But it's more of a soul to soul level. I think the American people have a uh, have empathy for the Canadian people, and I think we should both share the antipathy. If you can read anything on social media, how they, they react to this stuff. But yeah, so I think that's that's the extent it's going to be. It, it'll be probably an annoyance more than anything else from an economic standpoint. Well, that's uh, yeah. There's so many unknowns with this, though. Um, where do you think the biggest turn will take place in 2022 politically? Because to me, I think it has an economic impact. Will it be in Congress or will it be in the state houses? Well, it's. Well, it's going to be Congress first because the state houses have already gerrymandered. So I think it's going to matter of what kind of majorities happen, happens in Congress first. Okay. So, um, so if 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 there's a if there's a veto proof, not veto proof, if there's a um, if the right can garner sixty votes, then Biden might as well just retire. Okay, because it'll he'll just be he'll just be destroyed. I think he'll get impeached. If yeah. there's that kind of majority, if this is a veto overriding type of Congress with those kind of numbers, that man's getting impeached for what he hasn't done at the border. Yeah, well, I think so too. I think the House will do articles of impeachment in a heartbeat, in a heartbeat, just because I think the vengeance is out there now. You know, uh, I think I think the. The House, especially, has felt maligned, and I think they're gonna. I think they'll be impeaching a lot of people. You know, I think Adam Schiff's in trouble. I think uh, uh, the Schwalwell's in trouble at that point. Uh, Biden's in trouble. They'll probably impeach Blinken. They'll definitely impeach the. They'll go after the Attorney General. You know, I mean, it's just gonna be. It'll be miserable. A lot of people will just quit the Biden administration because they're not gonna want to deal with the heat. Fauci will quit for sure. You know, the whole nine yards. Yeah, well, the, the, a turnover in administration, whether, whether it's in the medical part of the administration or the financial part, that's not unusual when you have a regime change. But, but I, I, I think there's going to be real. I'll give an example with Garland. I mean, here Garland tells school board parents that are protesting, "You're, you're domestic terrorists." Uh, and then we find out Panorama Education that uh, features critical race theory that's pissed the parents off is owned by his son-in-law and daughter, and they're making millions of dollars. And for, I mean, how many violations of ethics and legal codes are there there just with the attorney general? I mean, he yeah. he could be going to jail. I mean, I, I think he's a candidate for jail if they lose the House and Senate. Well, that's the thing. So he didn't get away with all this stuff because everybody could ignore it until the Congress 
gets but look nothing's going to happen unless a republican takes over it that's true that, so, i mean um case, case in point hillary's emails don't need to go any further than that yeah. uh, okay so is there a way out of this morass or is when you run trade genius do you just have to say we just got to get used to navigating the volatility yeah, look, for the next 18 to 24 months, it's going to just be a lot of volatility. But you remember, volatility equals profits. So, um, you know, you, you could be wrong one day and you could be totally right the next. So, you know, as long as you start understanding the macro picture and just let them, you know, in our case, we just let our algorithms do the work for us. Look, we sat on DWAC for, for two weeks, okay? It wasn't going anywhere for two weeks. And we knew True Social was going live. And we got our rip and we made our 20%. Okay. And so we we know certain things are going to happen. It's just that you, if you're positioned right, the algorithm never told us to sell and we profit it. And then we just loaded up again today. Since you and I talked, we got back in again on DWAC for the next next move higher. So all we do is we rely on our, our algorithm, Dave. And if people want to trade with us, we create it. Uh, two algorithms to help people understand how to trade momentum ranges and and um, price movement, and we trade the stock market, we trade cryptos, we trade um, uh, the futures market. So we have a, a a number of different solutions for people to be able to uh, to profit from this. I sent you over if you want to share it with your listeners. Sure. Uh, our last twenty trades that we've done, uh, you can read the, the comments from our our chat room of how we help people. Yeah, I got I got one right here. Let me so, jump in if you don't mind. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, from Andrew, I won't read these last names, uh, but it says nothing like a hundred and twenty six percent portfolio increase. Good day for sure with a smiley face. And then uh, thanks, Bob Kudla sold one hundred and forty one DWAC for eleven thousand six hundred, which leaves me with one hundred and fifty shares that only cost me thirty four hundred. So rough math here. About 260% uh, increase. Absolutely incredible. Um, this is the good stuff here. And, and, uh, so here, let me go to the, let me go to a couple more here. I can't overstate how nice it is to have a service I'm in alignment with philosophically and make money through these principles. Uh, this is, this is pretty good stuff here. Uh, it says, when I, uh, bought puts in, um, Facebook, LOL, Guess the earnings were used to buy drop boxes, but the best thing all will move to DWAC. Let me ask you a question based on this comment. I, that one really grabbed my attention from Okibama. Uh, that's what an interesting name. But uh, when Okibama said this, it made me wonder with DWAC coming on, are they going to remove a significant share in profitability from Twitter and, and the other social medias? Oh yeah, for sure. Twitter and Facebook are are they've seen their they've seen their their heyday. It's over for them. And uh, Facebook is a hated company, and uh, even people that don't agree with me philosophically hate them too. So they're just they're just they're just a company that people don't like. They're like the opposite of Apple. And uh, and then Twitter. I mean, look, t- Twitter. Uh, they're going to lose engagements. And DWAC's gonna make engagements. So, yeah, so what that guy did was he shorted Facebook, made money, flipped it right into DWAC, and he made money. Um, and that, that, that gentleman happens, he's also a Marine too, so, uh, we, uh, we, uh, we love him when a little esprit de corps happens to our fellow, uh, <laughs> fellow jarhead. Yeah. yeah. Well, I like this next comment the same guy has, Okibama says, SARC up, and that's an acronym, uh, up, Four percent in post market after five percent today. Bob Kudla, thanks for training me on stock pick and strategy, and, and that's really captures kind of the essence of what you do. T- talk about the training that you do for people that come into Trade Genius. How does that work? Yeah. So what we've done is is the, these algorithms that we've created, we make them available to our our our, our followers. So you know, so not only are we going to give trades out for you, but we actually have training uh, videos to teach you how our system works and how to trade. And our ultimate goal is to make you independent. I mean, if I went away for a month, I would hope that I trained enough of my listeners and followers to be able just to trade as I'm trading. We literally give them the same template that I use, Dave. They have the same access to the same algorithms that I use. And, and, um, and we teach them how to 
best practices and and the algorithms literally say buy and sell. I mean, we don't we can't make any hard. Next time you and I talk, I'll print some of the charts out so people actually can see it. They laugh, you know, and um, and you know we try to make these things into like kind of one decision kind of things that you don't have to be you know you don't have to be a uh, you know Nostradamus to interpret the uh, tea leaves. It literally will tell you that. Um, you know, basically the, the the fulcrum is green and you got to trend buy. Well, you know what you should do then? You should buy. <laughs> you know, so mm-hmm. it's as simple as that. And then you set your stops and your targets and uh, and our win rate's two out of three. So eventually you're just going to you're just going to keep grinding out higher and higher and higher profits. And it's it's basically a marathon. So that's how we teach you how to do it. And then we give trades out every day and we have a chat room. Obviously, you're reading from it um, for, for people to communicate with me and with each other. And like I said, we also give you access to the system. And then we have a room called the VIP room where actually people can communicate like you and I are communicating. So we get involved in, like this morning, the stock market went up to 435 on SPY. We bought puts. It went down to 431. As you and I were talking, I told people to get out of half their trade. You know, so people made a boatload of money this morning just trading uh, puts and calls. So we do that in a room where I can communicate more um personally, if you will, because it moves too fast just to type these things out or have them sent out on Telegram. So those things that we do, and Dave, we have uh, bundles. Um, they're already pre-discounted, 65% off, and or you can just get anything in the store, 40% off, use President promo code, and it's good till Saturday, was that the 26th of, of February. You guys will love what we do. Um, um, we, we charge modestly for what you get, and you get a lot from us. And a lot of those guys in the VP room will tell you that probably within the first week or two, I paid for one or two or three years of their of their VIP pricing, which is higher than normal. So we uh, so we have we think we have a pretty good service. I've been doing this for a long time. I don't promise Lamborghinis, but it definitely definitely will help you make money in the markets. You, are you still winning two out of three trades? Yeah, as of today, let me pull it in here so I can show you. Uh, well, I at least tell you. Our win rate today, as of as of this morning, give me Uno Momento for four. It's around sixty four point five percent or something like that. Let me see here. That's, that's pretty close to two out of three. Yeah, sixty four point seven six percent and one seventy one point nine five percent annualized gains. Okay, explain that to me. Yeah, so we're in a trade on average about three to four days. So our average win rate, net of losses. You know, we average 1.65% win on all our trades. Okay, so if you analyze that, annualize that, it's 1.71.95%. So if you're 100% invested trading my signals, you'd be up 171.95% year over year. Oh my God. Whoa, whoa, wait, wait a minute. When I hear things like our return on investment is 20%, I'm saying that's really good. When it's 50%, it's outrageous. And you're saying right now the return on investment that you're describing here is 171% annualized? Yeah, and I'm not saying it. I have the I have the, the trades to show you. Well, yeah, so, yeah, I'm not doubting your figures. I'm just saying, yeah. am I interpreting this correctly? Yeah, yeah, no, you're exactly right. So that's what we do. And we, we, we record every trade that we put out. And, huh. uh, and you know, obviously I put it out on, on Telegram, so it's, it's locked in. I always put a target and a stop in there, so I can't say I made money when I didn't. You know, you know that game, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, and so yeah. And if you look at it, I mean, the last time I lost a trade was um, was we did we've done twenty trades and I had one loss on a trade and um, and and that's it. And so uh, it's the last thirty trades I've had two losses. Last forty trades I've had four losses. So. So we do pretty well, and we're doing better and better at the more volatile the market goes. So my my win rate's probably going to go higher. Ironically, I don't do as well, although we do well, is when the market's kind of flat or slightly trending higher. That was my next question. Yeah. It chops around a lot, so we, we get stopped out more. So, but in this, in this environment, when people are losing their shirts, we're making a lot of money. Oh, um, when we talk about this uh, rate of return here, annualized 171%, what's the real time frame we're looking at here for that return? Yeah, so that's a point in time. But that, that changes every day with every trade. So just giving you kind of a – but look, from a realistic standpoint, you, you'll never be 100% invested, right? 
So I tell people to take a third of that. Let's just say you want to be really conservative. Just assume that you're only catching, you know, one out of every three of these trades. You're in cash the rest of the way. You're still making north of sixty percent or fifty-five percent. Oh my gosh! So I just I'm just throwing it out at you. You know, I'm never a hundred percent invested either. Okay, so. But I also trade a lot of options where I get even higher rates of return. So it kind of, it kind of, uh, it, it, you know, it kind of moves around for me. So, um, but yeah, so it's 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 going well and it's and it's going better. So we 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 we've been waiting for this what's called a, a bi-directional market for a long time. In fact, we're gonna write we're gonna do a T-shirt day. We're gonna call ourselves bi-tradables. You know. And and you mean that it kind of refers to the stack function instead of you know being by by. Uh, no, I understand. Binary, you know, we're yeah. bi- we're bi- tradable. People thought that was pretty funny. Oh, it is. Are you referring to stagflation principles and play? Well, actually, we're talking about the market goes up and down now. So um, when it's whippy like this, the the moves are just incredible. Okay, all right. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, but the rate of return is staggering. Yeah. I mean, if, if I went out and said right now, Trade Genius is getting fifty-five to sixty percent rate of return, and people go, "Come on!" And I'd say, "Well, on top of that, they're telling their people to hold back a third. Uh, <laughs> this is—I mean—that's what's amazing here. Yeah, and if, if people they can just go to our website and just go to our track record, they can see the trades. So, okay. um, I'm, I'm making a note to myself here. This is. Uh, you know, are, are you getting to the point? Because I got to think this is incredibly popular. Are you getting to the point, Bob, where membership is going to be limited at some point? Um, you know, I'd like to be able to create that environment, but we don't have to because it's, you know, um, uh, it, it, the, my infrastructure doesn't increase that much to have more people on board. The VIP room, though, gets limited because, you know, you can only have so many people in there to where it doesn't become worthwhile, you know. So we're, we'll probably close the VIP room off for new members pretty soon. What's the advantage of being in the VIP room? You and I are talking. You can sit here right now and say, Bob, what are you doing right now this second? You know, Bob, I want to trade options. I want to trade futures. Right now I'm talking to you. My other guy is in there talking futures to those guys, showing them price levels and, and you know, why to get short or why to get long. And, and so you can yeah. trade options and futures in there and, and – uh, and you can even lift your rate of returns up even higher. So, so in other words, it could be like we're in Rome and I'm going to do what the head Roman says to do. Yeah, and a lot of things too. People come in there and, they, and they're just new to training, trading, and uh, you know they get to talk out what they're trying to do, and we can warn them off, saying I wouldn't do that if I were you, that kind of stuff, and and or I would do this differently, or why are you thinking that's a good idea? You know, where because a lot of times when you first trade, you, you rely on listening to the news or you see something goes up and you jump it and those are the worst two things you can do and so we just help people understand hey just wait for it to pull back like this morning DWAC was at 97 98 at the open and guys wanted to buy the open I said look wait for the dip you know people are going to sell out that's a big move opening right I said we'll buy back in at, at 87.50 and and uh uh, I'm not looking at the market right now, but um, you know we came down and we tagged it, so we're back in. I just saved people ten ten dollars on a trade, and so because people's natural instinct is to panic and to, and to just chase something, yeah. and and the algorithms know that, and you know the institutional algorithms know that, and they just flip you the other way and they steal your money. So you just wait, you know. And that's the other thing we teach people: there's there's, there's a trade always coming tomorrow, Dave. <laughs> If you miss trade, the next train's coming. Just wait for it, and you'll be just fine. <laughs> you know, I, I I didn't know we were going to go this much into depth, and this is where the conversation kind of led us. But uh, I got a feeling here that you, you're going to see a rush of people who hear this broadcasting. I got to get into this because we're going to be volatile for a long time, and they're going to fix it for me to be on the right side. Um, let me give this out here real quick in case you know we have a lot of people do that, and I think we will. Presidents, plural, is the coupon code to take advantage of the um, 40% off the non-bundled items. And that offer expires on Saturday the 26th. And with that note, Bob, I'm afraid we're out of time. But this was very productive, and thanks for restoring some hope in at least some segment of the economy. 
Yeah, you're, you're welcome, Dave. And look, people, there's there's always there's opportunity in chaos. Don't do anything illegal. Okay. And, <laughs> and on that note, my friend, we got to go because we're against a hard break. But hey, thanks, Bob. I look forward to our next time together. Adios. Take care. We at the Common Sense Show have a great TV show. We bring in a panel of experts and help people navigate the uncharted waters that we're living in. Because what once was coming is no longer coming. It's already here, and we're getting you the help so you can make better decisions for your future. You can find us at the TV, commercial-free, censorship-free, and we're getting five-star ratings on the world's major platforms. Again, check us out today at TV. Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call BarryYourGold.com, and what it does is it goes into a container. You lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground, and you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold, not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to BarryYourGold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee.